Good morning, Bay Area Church. It is another Sunday morning. It's the last Sunday of August. Uh, we're meeting here uh, virtually this morning. I'm glad to have you with us. Um, while you're here watching, if you would just take a minute to click on share, share to your, uh, to your face page. Your face page? I sound like an extremely old person now. Share to your timeline on Facebook uh, so that the people who are out perusing this morning will see that you're watching, worshiping this morning, and hopefully join along with us. Um, but be, please, take the time just to share. Um, you never know where God will work in that regard. We've got some great uh, news for you this morning, some updates and some announcements before we get started with our worship period. Um, obviously, there's always an ongoing list of folks. Please be sure that you're checking out vitalconcern.com, checking that out to see, uh, make sure your prayer lists are up to date. Uh, there are a lot of people who are in need of prayer right now, and uh, we don't really have uh, the time to go through the entire list this morning, but please make sure you're checking in there. Uh, we do want to make a special point of pointing out that uh, Sam Bush was taken to the hospital this week with some possible kidney issues, so we need to make a special point of remembering him in our prayers. Um, we've got several others that, uh, that are really, um, some recovering, some still just really in need of some comforting and some help, so let's make sure that we're checking out vital concern and keeping those people in our prayers. Um, last night was the Mount Dora Children's Home Virtual Benefit Dinner. Uh, weren't able to have that in person this year. Uh, if you missed out on that, watching it online, uh, it's still, you still have the opportunity to go and, and give some money to that effort. Uh, the church has been a great supporter of what they're doing there. And, and so please take the time, if you're able, to check that out. If you need more assistance on that or need to know where to go, you can always reach out to the church office. Uh, we have a bittersweet announcement this morning. Um, Bruce and Kathy McIntosh uh, and her mother, June Stewart, are going to be moving to Orlando. Uh, Bruce and Kathy obviously have been uh, members and been involved here for a great long time. We'll miss them terribly and send our love and prayers as they relocate with their family. Uh, they're going to be moving up towards uh, Orlando. They'd like to let the church know that they'll be moving in early September. The Lord has been leading them to move to Orlando to be closer to their daughter and her family for some time now. And in this past month, Bruce had the opportunity to find a job, actually, in Orlando. So please pray for them as they look and search to find a new church family. Um, they also say that they've been blessed to be part of the Bay Area Church for the past six years. They'll miss everyone very much, uh, as we'll miss them. And this has been an amazing church. We'll be praying for you all. Thank you for all the love you've shown us. We'll keep in touch and visit you when we can. Uh, love, Bruce and Kathy. So... We'll keep them in our thoughts, and uh, they'll certainly be keeping us in theirs, but uh, we hate to hear that, but we know that uh, they'll be a blessing wherever they end up as well. Um, there's a couple events coming up this week with the youth group. Two events. This Sunday, uh, August 30th, 7 to 8 p.m., they'll have a Devo worship night. Um, Tyrone and Ashley Johnson are going to be helping out with that, and it's going to be here um, at the building, I think, in the parking lot, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? So if you're part of the youth group, uh, you want to have a chance to get out uh, with some, some uh, social constraints, but to spend some time worshiping and fellowshipping along with each other, and then uh, Tyrone and Ashley are going to be helping to bless that event and make it really fun and exciting. You won't want to miss out on that. And then um, also next weekend, SunQuest Local is going to be coming around. Uh, SunQuest, obviously an event that the kids go to every year, not able to go this year, but um, they're... they're revamping it a little bit, um, trying to work around some of the social distancing. So SunQuest Local's coming from Friday, September 4th. They'll kick off at our building from 8 to 10. Uh, the space is going to be limited to the first 35 people who register by sending an email to Robbie. 
So send Robbie an email or a text, let him know if you want to be in that first 35 group. Um, it'll certainly be a growing experience. Also let him know if you'd like a t-shirt. The t-shirts are free with registration and the size. Um, and again, as you come here to the building next week, for those that are going to be doing that with a teen group, uh, temperature checks, masks, all that are going to be required. So make sure that you come prepared for, for, uh, for the SunQuest local event there. Uh, on the other front, we've got some exciting news this morning that uh, this is going to be um, an ongoing uh, virtual experience for everyone, but there's going to be some limited openings for people to actually come and worship in the building next week. We're going to have a video on that in just a minute that is going to explain exactly what that will look like and what that will entail, because uh, certainly it's, it's not going to be uh, just an open floodgate kind of situation that uh, we'd all hope we could have. But um, we're going to watch that video in just a second. Before we do that, we're going to go ahead and take this time to start transitioning our minds and our hearts into the worship period. So um, if you need to get communion prepared, um, our brother Mike Fanning is going to come and lead our thoughts in communion here shortly. Uh, go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's, uh, let's try to rid ourselves of any distractions and prepare ourselves to focus on the next uh, window of time to really focus on God and, and why we're here and, and worshiping this morning. Um, as we do that, let's all take a moment to just stop for a minute and pray to our Father. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the blessings you give us, Lord. Father, we thank you for sparing us from the storms that passed through this week. Lord, we pray that you will be with those who are affected and are still being affected by those storms. Father, we thank you for giving us just a peace and, and our health in this time of chaos in this world. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be the light that you call us to be in our world and help us to to just lift you up in everything that we do. Father, we pray that you will help each and every one of us individually to be a blessing to everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, we come before you this morning as your children with our heads bowed, wanting to truly just eliminate all distraction and lift you up in praise and worship that you adore this morning. Father, we are going to truly come together as a family. We are going to spend this time worshiping you, and we pray that we will do it in a way that is honoring to you and that is pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that you will be with Tim as he brings us the lesson. We pray that you will be with our singers and everyone watching at home, that this can be a time of true edification and true joy and true worship for you. And as your son's name, we pray all these things. Amen. Now we're going to transition into a very important video, so please uh, stay tuned and pay attention. Hey, here's some great news. Bay Area Church of Christ will hold worship at the building beginning Sunday, September 6th at 9.55 a.m. for anyone who's ready to return. We'll also continue live streaming for everyone else. Hello, Bay Area Church. Speaking for the elders, we praise God for your faithfulness during the pandemic. As you have maintained fellowship through live streaming, Zoom meetings, telephone calls, text, and very small gatherings, Everyone is looking forward to being together at the building again. In the members reopening survey, 35% of you said you are ready to return to meeting at the building, but 64% said you are not ready. Therefore, we will continue to live stream worship service so that those of you who have higher risk or are just uncomfortable returning at this time can continue to worship from home. Some of you may be ready to start gathering in small groups at home to watch the live stream and take part in worship together. We encourage you to do that. 
but for those who are ready to return to the building, we believe it's time to allow attendance up to 50% capacity at the same worship service that we have been live streaming. The purpose of this message is to tell you about how that will work. First of all, who should stay home? Anyone who just feels uncomfortable, anyone with pre-existing health conditions that make COVID-19 a serious threat. And of course, anyone who has symptoms knows they've been exposed or test positive for the virus. It's true that we're still safer at home. With all this in mind, if you have any question, stay at home. Also, anyone who cannot comply with the guidelines we've established to help protect those worshiping at the building should continue to watch online. Before we get into those guidelines, let's get a word from Tim about what is expected in this phase. Hey everybody, we're looking forward to worshiping at 9.55 a.m. just as we have in the recent past. This service will be live streamed for those watching at home. For those worshiping at the building, please be here no later than 9.45 to be sure you're seated before worship begins. If you need to stay at home, please don't feel uncomfortable about doing that. That's exactly why we're providing a live stream so that you can stay at home, still enjoy worshiping God at the same time, singing the same songs, saying the same prayers, hearing the same preaching. Please make a wise decision and then entrust it to God. Now, here's a word about live streaming from George Klein. This is where we manage the cameras, the microphones, and the graphics that go into the live stream. You've been singing along at home as we provide the words and music on the screen, and we hope you'll continue to do that. For those that come to the building, everyone aged two and older will wear a mask the entire time they are in the Bay Area building for the protection of everyone. But go ahead and sing out, even while wearing your mask. Now let's consider the guidelines that are going to be expected for those who begin worshiping at the building. These guidelines were developed by the elders in light of published guidance and in consultation with medical professionals in our congregation. Brother Keith Stefanko will outline these procedures for us. Good morning, Bay Area. Thanks for your cooperation in making this as safe as possible for everyone. We will limit attendance for worship service. Everyone will put on their mask before entering the building and keep it on the entire time. The only exceptions are those under two years old. It's important for the protection and comfort of our brothers and sisters. We want to minimize the likelihood of airborne and droplet transmission of the virus. Everyone entering the Bay Area building will have their temperature taken as they enter using touchless thermometers. If your temperature is 100 degrees or higher, you'll be asked to participate in online worship from home. This is for the protection of everyone. Everyone should always do their best to maintain six feet of social distancing both inside and outside the building. Thanks for your cooperation in making this as safe as possible for everyone. Thanks, Keith. There are a few other procedures that will help us take care of everyone. As you enter the building, hand sanitizer will be available and we recommend everyone use it. Individual communion servings will be available for pickup as you enter the auditorium. An usher will help you find a seat in marked areas. Families, including children and teens, will be sitting together. Some pews will be blocked off completely for distancing. The nursery will only be available for changing diapers and will not be staffed. Restrooms may be used while maintaining social distancing. If you need water, please bring your own bottle. Only water will be allowed in the auditorium. After worship ends, please remain in your seat and await instructions. We will be dismissing row by row to make sure there is no congestion in the aisles. As you exit, you will see trays available where you can drop off your contribution, but you can also give online or by mail as usual. Once you have exited the Bay Area building and are outside, you can remove your mask. 
We're all excited to see each other, but please maintain social distance and have no physical contact with anyone not in your household. The following areas of the building will be closed. Family Life Center, upstairs, prayer room, faith lane, and children's classrooms. Please do not enter these closed areas so that we can maintain a safe, clean environment for everyone. Now that you know the guidelines, we need to cover the sign-up procedure for worship service. George Klein will let you know how to sign up. Anyone who would like to attend an in-person service will need to sign up online using your smartphone or computer. The entire church family will receive an email with a link to the online sign-up. The link will also be on the website and on Facebook. Click on the link to sign up. On the first sign-up page, click the service you want to attend and submit your choice. Then select the number of people from your household who will attend. Fill in your name and email and click the Sign Up Now button to complete your sign up. You'll receive a confirmation email. If you want to attend services, sign up online by Thursday at noon. Please sign up each week to help us accommodate everyone. If reservations exceed capacity, latecomers will be able to watch a live stream in the Family Life Center. We look forward to being with you in person or online. And if you have any questions, you can contact anyone in the church office or one of the elders, and they'll be glad to help you. Until then, let's stay connected, and let's keep becoming the Bay Area vision of loving disciples who make disciples who make disciples. May God bless you and your family. Good morning. It's good to be with you again today. Uh, I was away last week and had a chance to watch online. Appreciate Orlando Jr. and uh, Travis who, who stepped in and the rest of the group. Uh, it was fun watching, uh, watching that way and I've done it a couple of times now and something that sort of sticks out to me is we ask you every week to sing along with us, to, to worship there at home and there's kind of a secret to doing that. That's to start right away on the first song. Okay, if you're shy and you hope, you know, you're, you're not quite awake yet and you hold off a little bit, it's easier to just sort of kind of sit there and watch. But even if, if you just hum on the first song, you'll be singing by the end. And uh, the further it goes along, the more natural and easier it becomes. So join in with us now as we worship and begin by saying, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Oh, this. 
to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throne we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and praise him, Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and praise him, Lord of all. Rejoices in God. 
Supper after this next song, and Mike Fanning's going to come and uh, share some thoughts with us. Before he comes, well with my soul.
great to be here and it's great to come together with everyone uh, both uh, physically and uh, online virtually to uh, partake in this communion. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 11 and I'm going to go a little bit uh, reverse order. I'm going to start in uh, verse 28 and then back up to uh, verse 23. I think uh, both uh, in, uh, in our nation, in the world today, this talks about examining as it pertains to examining ourselves as uh, before the communion, both uh, applicable at this moment in the worship uh, with communion, and also I think applicable both in our, our nation and the world, whether it's political, medical, uh, social, uh, we really need to examine and, and be thoughtful. Um, and now uh, let's do that, put all those other things away and, and examine uh, as we uh, begin this communion service. Starting verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why so many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Then up in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks and broke it, he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together uh, personally and, and technologically and especially spiritually. Uh, we thank you for that sacrifice uh, that you made, that your son made. Uh, we can only fathom, uh, um, you know, what you went through as, as your son died on the cross for us. And we're thankful for that sacrifice, Father, and pray that we can really carry that forward in our, our Christian lives as, as we go forward. In Christ's name, amen. Father, for this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed uh, on our behalf by Jesus on the cross, Father, we're thankful and always praise you for that sacrifice. Amen. when we're all here in person we say now's the time we come together separate and apart yada yada all that stuff and I'll, I'll admit I'm one of those people that uh, uh, never that really held off on the online for anything I'd go online and pay bills but I didn't do the automatic stuff and uh, pandemics made me the pandemics made me uh, bite that bullet and uh, take that next uh, technological leap so uh, you can do that it's it's very convenient it's uh, very easy to uh, to change if need be or stop. So um, let's all uh, offer prayer for the contribution. We thank you, God, for the blessings uh, we have for for those of us who have been blessed with with much, and those of us who have been blessed with uh, you know smaller amounts. Father, we we know all blessings are from you, and uh, you never give us uh, more than we can we can handle. Father, so thank you for that. We pray as we move to the next phase that um, both as we begin to restore uh, uh, in-person fellowship, uh, we maintain uh, the technical side, and, and uh, we pray uh, the, the church, uh, you be with our leaders as they have ministered those funds and continue to do so uh, in respect to, to uh, all that's going on. In Christ's name, amen.
Okay, we have a few more songs before Tim comes up and speaks to us. I start off now with Unto Thee, O Lord. Unto thee, O Lord, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Do I lift up my soul? Unto thee, O Lord, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Do I lift up my soul? Oh my God, oh my God, I trust in thee. I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. next one let them lead you in it and uh, one of the themes that came seems to keep emerging as as we do these songs uh, during this period is this is not a time for the adults to take off okay this is not just a kid's song after all the words to this song are from one of Jesus's parables that he told to adults they're great lessons in these songs about a year ago, we saw a video, um, and the speaker was geographically in the area where Jesus likely told this parable, and talked about an aspect of it that really has changed the way I think about this song and about the parable. And that's that we're in Florida, and when we think in a minute when we sing about building a house on the sand, we think about going to the beach and building a sandcastle, okay? and how the waves would come in and, and wash it away. Uh, in reality, where Jesus was, they weren't at, the, weren't at the beach, okay? Probably weren't even on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, but they were up in the hills where there were wadis, 
which were basically dry areas where when it rained, it washed all the smaller stuff up and created sandy bottoms. And if you build a house there, everything seems great until it rains. And then unlike the beach where you watch the tide come in and you know how long you've got before the sand is going to come in and wash away your castle, the water's going to come down that wadi like that. You're not going to hear it come until just a few seconds before it comes around the corner and it just completely overwhelms you. And what a def different image that brings to us as we sing and think about building our house, building our lives on solid things rather than unsolid things and not be swept away suddenly. So let's sing it. Uh, get out of yourself uh, and let's sing the wise man. Get your hammers ready. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, and the wise man's house stood firm. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went smash. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ, and your house will stand firm. When the blessings come down and the prayers go up, the blessings come down and the prayers go up. The blessings come down and the prayers go up. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you
Tim comes and speaks, we'll sing, Just as I am, I come broken. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to
Good morning. Nice to be with you again this morning. Uh, those of our singers and the, the, just a handful of people who are here, but I know we're all together virtually. I hope that uh, if you're joining us a little bit late, that sometime you go back and check out the video about our reopening plans for uh, beginning next week. Excited about that, but I'm excited about today as well. This is our second sermon in this series that we're going through on the book of Ruth. And I've got to tell you, um, Mike, in his comments uh, at the Lord's Supper, talked about everything that's going on in the world politically and uh, relationally and socially and spiritually. And the book of Ruth really speaks to those things. If you pay attention to today's lesson, you'll see the book of Ruth is really speaking to those things. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about the backdrop and the context of the book of Ruth. And I said several times last week that this story is a lot of things, but ultimately it's a love story. In fact, I said that it was one of the greatest love stories ever. And that got me to thinking, is it considered one of the greatest love stories ever? What are the greatest love stories in all of literature? So, I googled it. Uh, you know, I googled what are the greatest love stories in all of literature. I wanted to see if maybe Ruth was on the list. There was a lot of different lists. Ruth wasn't in any of them. But, I got thinking, okay, what are the greatest love stories of all time? And, and I'll tell you, I read a lot. But I don't read a whole lot of love stories. It's not exactly my favorite genre. But greatest of all time, I thought, well, certainly I've read most of the greatest love stories of all time. So I, I did a little research, and, and I found a list that I think is pretty reputable about the greatest love stories of all time. But the list begins with this preface. If there's one thing we all enjoy, it's a great love story. One that fills our hearts with the joy, the hope, and the despair of the human spirit. One that inspires us with wonderful characters and a gripping plot. One that we will read over and over again just to understand and to live in the author's amazing world. And then here is what this group listed as the five greatest love stories in all of literature. Number five, The Thornbirds by Colleen McCullough. Never read it. Uh, number four, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, by Jane Austen. Never read that either. Uh, number three, greatest love story in all of literature, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. I've heard it's a great book. I never read it. Uh, number two, Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. I never read that book either. And the greatest love story, apparently, in all of literature, Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Read it in the 11th grade, because I had to, did not like it. So I am not the best person to be comparing the greatest love stories of all time with Ruth. But I will tell you this, and I'll tell you this with a lot of confidence. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is a story that fills our hearts with the joy, the hope, and the despair of the human spirit. It's one that inspires us with wonderful characters and a gripping plot. One that we will read over and over again just to understand and to live 
in the author's amazing world. And the difference between Ruth and all those other books, every word is true. It is a true story that God in his wisdom wanted us to be familiar with. So, go ahead and open up your Bibles back up to the book of Ruth. It should be easier to find this week. You found it last week, you can find it again this week. Last week we spent most of our time talking about Ruth's mother-in-law, a woman named Naomi. And if you remember, those first five verses of the very first chapter basically tell us that everything that could go wrong in this woman Naomi's life has gone wrong. She's followed her husband and uh, both of her sons to a foreign land. She's in a strange place, a hostile place, among strange people who worship a strange God. Her husband dies both of her sons die. In that culture, to be a single woman with no husband and no sons would have been devastating. This woman, Naomi, she has no power. She has no property. She has no position. She has no leverage. She really has nothing, with the exception of two daughters-in-law. Unfortunately, her two daughters-in-law, they have nothing either. Both of these, or all three of these women, have hit rock bottom. And I wasn't exactly sure how to kind of move on with the rest of this story and get to the point that I wanted to arrive at. And I finally just decided, I'm going to read it. We're just going to read the text this morning. We're going to read just about all of the first chapter of Ruth. And I hesitate to do that because I know it's a little tough sometimes to keep up with somebody who's just reading but I'm really going to challenge you to read along or at least listen closely because there is a lot of context here and there's a lot of things for us to think about. I'm actually going to begin in verse 6. A little bit of what we're going to read is going to overlap from last week, but that's okay because we need to get the whole context. Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. When she heard in Moab, she being Naomi, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. 
But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So far, absolutely nothing in this woman Naomi's life has been easy. Uh, Nothing in Ruth's life has been easy. They are two single women living in a time and place where single women have absolutely no rights. If they were to stay in Moab, Naomi would forever be the outsider. If they returned to Bethlehem, Ruth would forever be the outsider. These two women are in dire straits. These two women are uh, in, in, in despair. They have absolutely very little hope, very few options. Let me ask you a question as we kind of consider that. Is easy always best? Is easy always best? Now, I am not asking, is easy always preferred? Because we would all agree that absolutely, yes, easy is always preferred. We would all prefer easy over hard. Yes, you would. Would you rather go out tonight and have to hunt for your dinner, kill it, prepare it, cook it over an open fire? Or would you rather order Taco Bell on DoorDash? Yeah, we'll all choose easy. We want easy. We pray for easy. But, is easy always best? Are things like patience and empathy and integrity and a God-like character, are those kind of qualities, are those things formed and forged in the crucible of easy? Or are those the kind of qualities that are formed and forged in the crucible of hard? At the risk of sounding like an old man, (laughs) let me share with you some findings about the current generation of young people. And I'm not exactly sure what even the current generation of young people are referred to as now, but multiple researchers have come to the conclusion that this is now the generation of the entitled. Now, before all you millennials start getting mad at me, understand this all began, this idea of being entitled, it began with my generation, okay? My generation was the first generation to sort of come to the conclusion, people owe me things. I deserve an easy life. 
It was my generation who kind of started thinking, I deserve things that I didn't really work for. You know, people need to give me things. But here's the problem. When we expect life to be easy, what do you do when life gets hard? Because life will get hard. If your life hasn't gotten hard left yet, you just haven't lived long enough. Trust me, life is going to get hard. So what do you do when I'm expecting easy, but now all of a sudden it's hard? Well, if I've lived my whole life expecting easy and suddenly it gets hard, you know what I'll be prone to do? I'm going to take the easy way out. It's pretty much what our culture teaches. At least, that's what our culture models. Especially when you're talking about things like relationships. In the book of Ruth, it's a book of relationships. And society's message is, you know, when a relationship gets too hard, just bail. Move on. Well, people are disposable. Remember I told you last week that one of the things that we learn in the book of Ruth is that real, true love comes at a price. You know, everybody seems to be searching for these great relationships without investing any uh, effort. We all want the super relationship. We don't want to have to put any work into it. And you know what? <clears throat> God's not impressed with that kind of loving. He's just not impressed. In fact, Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, you're so proud of yourselves because you love people who already love you. You're so proud of yourself because you're nice to people who are already nice to you. That's not real love. That's easy love. Anyone can do that. Sinners can do that. That kind of love didn't impress Jesus. You want to hear what hard love sounds like? In the book of Colossians, Paul would tell us what hard love really consists of. Colossians chapter 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with, listen to this, this is hard, this is not easy, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. You think anybody in our society, you think anybody in our uh, church, anybody in our family, anybody in your family needs to hear that message on hard love? You think anybody needs to be reminded to be clothed with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and wrap it all together in love? Boy, that's a message everyone needs, right? And if you think it's hard to love somebody who you consider sort of a friend, but they've hurt you, think about this. How about loving someone who would be your enemy? And they didn't inadvertently hurt you, they did it on purpose. And they're going to keep doing it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 
You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that, you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That kind of love that we as Christians are called to possess and called to share, that is not easy love. It is hard love. And when I read Scripture, it seems like it's during the hard times, in the middle of a hard love, where people are really formed and where people are really molded and where those blessings really do start to flow. I mean, you think back to our story in the book of Ruth. You think about Naomi. She, she said to the, to the people in the, in the town of Bethlehem, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Okay, wait a minute. Wait, why did you leave, Naomi? Why did you and your family leave? You left because there was a famine. You left Bethlehem because you were empty. They went away because they were empty. They had a house full of people who loved each other, but they had an empty cupboard. So they went to a different place where they found plenty of things to put in the pantry, but now they don't, they're not surrounded by people who love them. And Naomi comes to the conclusion, I was a lot more full back in Bethlehem than I ever realized. I was a lot more full when I had people around me who loved me and people that I loved, even when my cupboard was bare. I suspect that some of you listening to me right now need to hear that. Because I suspect that some of you probably have a decision to make about people in your life that have been or are becoming hard to love. And you've got a decision to make. Am I going to keep loving this person even when it's hard? When it's not easy, when they're not making it easy, am I going to keep loving this person? Or am I going to bail? Now, please understand, I am not talking about an abusive situation. Absolutely not. What I'm talking about is putting in the work, putting in the hard work of kindness and gentleness and patience to create an atmosphere of love and acceptance. And I almost hesitate to say things like that because I know I'm standing up here and I'm a preacher and I make it sound so easy. It is not easy. I get that. And it's not just hard. It is really hard. It is incredibly difficult. But again, we are commanded to love when it's hard. Now you think about maybe it's your marriage. Something's been said, something's been done, or something hasn't been said, or something hasn't been done. And you're trying to decide, am I going to keep loving even when it's getting this hard? Maybe it's a parent-child relationship. You always dreamed of having a little baby and then this little perfect thing comes and she's so beautiful and life is so wonderful and you love her so much and it's just so easy to love this little baby, this little boy, this little girl. And then they hit two. And then they hit ten. And then they're 14. And it's not easy anymore. Maybe your child is trying you like never before. Now, us parents, we've all been there. 
Maybe your parents are trying you like never before. Us children, we've all been there. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to choose. Am I going to keep loving? Even when it's hard. Maybe it's somebody you worship with. Are you going to love that person that's sometimes a little bit difficult to love? I mean, come on. If we're going to love each other in heaven, we ought to be able to love each other in Tampa, right? And we all want unconditional love. Are we willing to give the very thing that we so hope to receive? And, by the way, I would argue that Naomi did not return empty. She did not come back empty. She came back with Ruth. And Ruth would turn out to be a tremendous blessing in her life. And we've been talking about this woman, Naomi, but it is the book of Ruth, right? And Ruth makes the choice to go back with Naomi, knowing, at least expecting, that making that choice means she's probably going to be living a life of poverty. She is forever going to be alienated. She's forever going to be an outsider. And she is. She's referred to as the Moabitess. But the text says that she clung to Naomi. I have quite often been asked to use the words of Ruth in wedding ceremonies that I perform. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Such a beautiful statement. And I always tell the couple, you know that was spoken by a woman to her mother-in-law, right? And usually they're like, wait, what? Wait, it, that wasn't like a man and a woman. And, no, it was a, it was a younger woman to her mother-in-law. I mean, that's fine. It's still a great passage, and you know, it works great in marriages. But just so you know, this was not two star-crossed lovers looking into each other's eyes. These were two women who were broken. These were two women who had nowhere to go. Absolutely no hope. And this is a young woman who says, listen, I'm going to stay with you. Ruth tells Naomi, even death won't separate our love. Does that sound familiar to you? Kind of sounds like the definition of love in Romans chapter 8, doesn't it? Where Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not easy love. That is hard love. Ruth loves her mother-in-law. And we're going to find out that she is going to love her new God also. And the kind of love that doesn't have room for what's in it for me. She's going to, she's going to love with the kind of love that is not looking for a back door. Not easy love. You know, that, that kind of love that, that, that has no back door. Again, that's the kind of love we all are looking for. We're longing for that. But it really is an elusive thing. But don't we all long for someone 
to love us the way Ruth loved Naomi. Don't we all long for someone to tell us, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you die, I will die. We long for that kind of love. We don't want the if love. And that's what most people kind of settle with. We don't want if love. I don't want the I'll love you if you don't gain weight. I'll love you if you don't lose your hair. I'll love you if your finances remain strong. I'll love you if you never disappoint me. If you never hurt me. We don't want if love. What we want is even if love. Even if your appearance changes. Even if we struggle financially. Even if you disappoint me sometimes. Even if you hurt me sometimes. You know, people say, well, come on. That kind of love, that's not natural. Hello? Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. That kind of love, the hard kind of love, is not natural. It is supernatural. In fact, you can't love that way. I'm convinced without the Holy Spirit working in your life. The very first fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5 is love. Naomi's situation, it is as hard as it can get. I mean, she is living in a hard season of life. And I mentioned it earlier, but I'll repeat it, and I don't want to sound like a really you know, negative guy, but life is going to get hard. Your life is going to get hard. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when life gets hard? I would suggest you remember Naomi. That you run back to God. You run back to God's people. You know, most of us find it very easy to love God and to worship God when everything's going great. The job is humming along, you know, my family's tight, uh, uh, my health is great. It's easy to love God then, it's easy to worship God then. we're, We're good at that. But will we love God hard when life gets hard? Naomi does. Last week I mentioned that Naomi had a very special great-great-grandson. One day her great-great-grandson sat down and wrote what we know of as Psalm 34. I don't know what he called it, but he wrote a song. Here's what he said. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And then verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I have no doubt that Naomi would agree with her great-great-grandson. And I have no doubt that Ruth would agree with her great-grandson. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, 
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You don't learn that kind of love during easy and comfortable times. You learn that kind of love and that kind of dependence and that kind of faith in the middle of hard times. That's where David learned it. That's where his great-grandmother learned it. I think that's where his great-great-grandmother learned it as well. It's the kind of love that we are called to exhibit, but it's also the kind of love that we receive. God's love, unmatched, unchanging, unconditional. It's the kind of love that Jesus modeled. Jesus tells us, I want you to love each other, and then he raises the bar. The same way I've loved you. I want you to love each other. And you don't have to read very far into the Gospels to know that Jesus loved when it was hard. Now, next week we're going to meet a man by the name of Boaz. And we are going to watch how a godly man treats godly women. But this morning, may we be reminded to love even when it's hard. May we be reminded to love especially when it's hard. Let's pray. Father, we think about love and we think about you and your son Jesus. As Jesus commanded us to love and then he showed us exactly what that love looks like. And Father, I thank you for the story of Ruth, the story of redemption that points to the great Redeemer, that points to Jesus. And I thank you for his love that is unmatched, unchanging, and unconditional. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Praise team is going to come up and have one last song. I'll remind you again, if you joined us a little bit late, be sure and go back and check out the uh, reopening video. All the information you need about uh, reopening here at Bay Area next week is on that video. It's also posted on our website, our Facebook pages. You can catch it all there. Thank you. strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my
have a great week.